Hello, and thank you for tuning into the show. A quick caveat before you dive in. This was recorded pre-COVID-19. The views, the ideas, the conversation that was shared, the perspectives were all done in a pre-pandemic world. So please listen to the show as there's some fantastic information and some great takeaways. Just know that it was recorded before the pandemic that has ultimately changed all of our lives. Thank you for listening. Keep learning, keep curious, and keep supporting our community. Hello and welcome to Collisions YYC. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. Today on the show, I sit down with Mr. Brian Owens. Brian's the Artistic Director for the Calgary International Film Festival. Brian gives us a pretty cool perspective on not only the arts, the role that arts can play as an economic driver and the impact it can have. He's from Nashville and has been here for about a year and a half and he walks us through what he felt was a significantly parallel transformation that Nashville went through back from 2008 all the way through. The lessons we can learn and how optimistic he is about the path that we're on. Join me for a conversation with Mr. Brian Owens. I'm sitting here this morning with Mr. Brian Owens. How are you, Brian? I'm very good. Thank you, Taylor. Thanks for coming in. We chatted, like, I think we were just talking four months ago about coming in and having a chat. Yeah, it was a little while ago. <laughs> Between twists and turns and life gets busy, but you are the artistic director of the Calgary International Film Festival. That is correct. How long have you been in that role? Uh, I started here last October, so uh, it's been about a year and four months. Oh, interesting. And, uh, so not yeah. very long. You haven't been in Calgary for a long time then. No, fairly new. I actually was, um, it was actually opening night of the Nashville Film Festival, my okay. previous job, when I received an email. Uh, that asked if I might be interested in applying for the position. Up so here. you're running 100 mile an hour. It's opening night, and Bing, an email. Yeah. Did I'm curious. Did you know what a Calgary was at that point? I had heard of Calgary, uh, largely speaking, because of the Nashville Predators. Okay. Uh, and their rivalry with Calgary Flames. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I also knew about Calgary Film Festival that, because they had recently become an Oscar qualifying festival for short films, and that's something that you keep a very close eye on when you work in this business. Oh, okay. Uh, we'll talk hmm. about more, more of that. Yeah, later. I'm like, oh, I'm interested now. How does that world work? <laughs> that's a sidebar. Um, but yeah, so um, I obviously asked if they could wait a couple of weeks before I turned the resume in because I had a little work to do. Um, but yeah, so um, I was intrigued. I put the resume together. Uh, there were some changes happening in Nashville, not just with the, the festival itself, but with the city itself that kind of made it feel like it was the right time to start exploring okay. uh, opportunities. And so... Economically, uh, culturally, like... Um, culturally, it, it, it was a great city. It's still an it city, but... Uh, like other cities, people may be aware of, you know, there were a hundred people moving in per day and the city was not keeping up with infrastructure and it just became, well, what was once uh, literally a seven minute drive for me to go to work had become a 35 minute drive, even though so, I had so moved in my office. Quality of life was deteriorating yeah. just due because it became popular. <laughs> yeah. Very popular and almost too popular for its own good. So, um, you know, that's an interesting paradigm just to talk about even Calgary seven or eight years ago. I would say people would have said that same thing. Uh, I think people would long for those days now. <laughs> yeah, well, I've, I, yeah, I've heard those things, and I think we'll even talk a little bit more about how to get back to them. But yes, in many how ways... How do we get back to those success problems? <laughs> right, right. Those are better problems to have for sure. Uh, but I think once you've had that, you're also a little more prepared for the next rise. Yes. So Hopefully uh, you learn from past experiences. Right. Uh, Nashville had not yet learned that. Um, but anyway, it wasn't out of any animosity or anything that I made the decision. It was, I'd spent a decade there. And uh, there was also the, the, the simple fact that 
uh, even from my college days, living somewhere outside of the U.S. was something that was always a bit of a dream. So it just okay. felt like it was, it was on the list. Yeah, when that opportunity is laid in your lap, then you go for it. And uh, with each interview uh, round that uh, passed, I fell more in love with the, the staff here and uh, the city. Uh, when I first came to visit, the first time I saw the city was actually for an interview. Uh, and it was, it was a lot more exciting than I'd ever expected. Um, and so, yeah, I was really, uh, and have you always worked in the arts? Uh, largely speaking. Yeah. I had a, a brief stint, uh, of all things as a, uh, caseworker for homeless, uh, mentally ill teenagers. Okay. Interesting. Um, I don't know how I landed there really. I mean, I know how I landed there. Uh, but if you put the pieces together, my degree is in film studies. Okay. Um, we all have eclectic. If you unpack it, you're like, what? The, wow. How did yeah. that? But then it always influences and builds. Um, you know, but I, 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 I was proud of the work that I did there. But uh, yeah, it also allowed me the opportunity in nights to actually sort of build a platform to end up creating the Indianapolis International Film Festival, which is my hometown okay. of Indianapolis. And uh, then once that was off the ground, enough, I was able to leave that work. And that's when I became Okay, so you built arts. that up from scratch. So you, this is like being involved in film festivals, doing this thing that you do has been at, a, you know, besides the sidebar, that's kind of been at the root of who you are and, and your drive from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Again, I studied uh, film studies at uh, Indiana University uh, in Bloomington, Indiana. And then, um, like most film studies majors, I bartended uh, for a while. <laughs> I was a pilot. I put myself through flight school working behind a bar. Yeah, so it's so. very, very similar, very similar line. Um, but then also... Um, I, in my spare time, I'd built a website. I taught myself HTML, uh, did film reviews, had our own little like tiny version of the Oscars where people got to make their own votes. And uh, eventually, when web advertising became the thing, then uh, my website was able to make enough money that uh, in 2002, I was able to fly up to the Toronto International Film Festival and cover that festival for my website. Oh, so a bit of an entrepreneur as well. Interesting. Yeah, I've got a little oh, okay. bit of a streak. Both yeah. my parents own their own businesses, so that's always been something that uh, was in the bloodstream. And... Um, it was in covering that festival. The first two films that I saw were Pedro Almodovar's Talk to Her and Hayao Miyazaki's Spirited Away, mm -hmm. uh, both their North American premieres. And that's when I realized, I'm like, wait, Indianapolis needs something like this. It was never going to be as large scale as TIFF, obviously. But uh, I went back. I was fortunate enough to have a friend of a friend who had a foundation. Uh, I got a meeting with him, sat down, outlined what I'd seen, what I wanted to do for Indianapolis. He believed in the mission, wrote a startup check. Uh, that organization is going 15 years later. So I should say 16 years later now. Interesting. Uh, and still that festival's running. So um, I'm proud that I was able to form that uh, and then leave a lasting legacy in uh, my hometown. And then move that up. So Nashville was already up and running when you got involved? Yeah, Nashville was up and running. I actually took over there uh, for the 40th anniversary. So two oh, very so you're coming into a legacy, well-established. Yeah. Uh, but even then, uh, as a 40-year-old festival, it was one of the, so I was kind of, well, they even believed at the time it was one of the best kept secrets in the South. Uh, it was, it was well loved by everybody that was there. Uh, but it wasn't spreading the word very well. So okay. like, um, one of the things I was proudest of is when I first joined, um, we received 1700 film submissions. Uh, by the time I left a decade later, that was 5,500. Uh, film submissions from 130 nations. The logistics of that is a whole other conversation of sure. how you guys manage and, that. And that's <laughs> we won't things, go down that rabbit hole, but that's impressive, right? And and that's one of the things that I you know hope to do here is is you know this it, this is a great festival, and I think the people here in Calgary who know about it know how great it is. Right. One of the things that I'm charged with is also making sure that the rest of the world knows about it uh, through the networks that as I've as a comparison, how many years. films would Calgary be getting as a submission now? Just if we're using that as this this bad this this dashboard. Mm. Uh, that actually last year. 
um, we received just under 3,000. So, okay. uh, yeah, so we're actually on, on the way. It's similar to when I came into Nashville. Like, there was already a, a legacy there. It's just about picking it up and then taking it to the finish line, basically, whatever that finish line may be. We're still yes. working on that. It, it's funny, when you get to the finish line, it usually moves. <laughs> exactly. No, that's really the way it's supposed to work. It's yes. like, you, know, you cross the tape, you're proud of what you've done, and then you notice there's another tape to break down and you the way. Start, and, you, and you get back to work. Yeah, so... Well, something you and I talked about, and some, you know, this is a perspective we haven't had, uh, had on the show. This is about economic transformation in Calgary. We haven't had anyone talk about the arts. And when you and I talked on the phone, I was really... Uh, it opened my eyes a little bit to you said, well, hey, when I came to Calgary, I saw a lot of parallels. I saw some things that Nashville had gone through and I saw some of the shifts. So just thinking as we're not alone in this, like other cities have been through transformation. So maybe give a little perspective of kind of what you saw as Nashville evolved to become maybe the Nashville we know today, maybe the, versus the Nashville that maybe some of us don't even know from 10 years ago. Right. Yeah. So Nashville in 2008, like a lot of American cities was struggling. Uh, you know, this was the, yes. the height of the great recession and um, it was also struggling with an identity crisis. It was, Music City. Nothing wrong with being Music City, right. right? But like a lot of places, that's really all it was known for. So um, especially after an economic downturn and the realization that when you're primarily relying on one source for your image and your income... No matter what that source is, it's precisely. And so that's when... Um, the city itself and the people in the city started getting together and realizing that like, there's all these other great things we're doing. We've got tech, we've got healthcare. And then, uh, with the film festival, it was still my early days, but we actually then started talking to folks with Nashville opera, Nashville ballet, Nashville repertory theater, and our, um, Tennessee center for the performing arts. And together we realized that like, if, we all put a message together. We can be known for a lot more than just country music, that, that we can be also right. known as a, as a city of the arts. And um, we started building that reputation together. The other part of the industry... Interesting to hear you guys all came together versus on your individual islands trying to sing your own message versus a joint message. Yeah, no, and I think that was important because... Um, there's a lot of the there's a lot of ways to share resources when you work in the, the arts not for profits, um, which I'm assuming are always relatively scarce. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, everybody. I mean, a lot of people will think like you know they'll see the Philharmonic Orchestra or the opera because they put on these grand productions and assume like well they got all the money in the world, but they spend all the money in the world to make those. But just grand because productions. the people that show up have money doesn't mean that precisely. <laughs> precisely. Yes, and, it's and not always a reflection of the audience members. <laughs> exactly, and you know the putting those things on is not cheap. It's not inexpensive. You're paying those musicians, you're paying those artists as, and, as you should be. <laughs> right. Exactly. And so that money gets stretched very, very quickly, very easily. Uh, but um, that said, all the organizations together with one voice can, can be very loud, not just the opera singers, the rest of us too. And, nice. um, <laughs> yeah. and, um, and, and then, then the next level was when uh, the television show Nashville came in okay. um, and that also sort of helped realize that like the, the city realized that, that film and television is also an industry. It isn't just an art. Like we celebrated it with the film festival. This is a driver. It's a, yeah, it's an industry and it's a driver that brings in, you know, now there's uh, several reality shows that are made in Nashville. There's all these things that are happening and, but they all started somewhere. Yeah, exactly. And oh, six, oh seven. They, that wasn't the case. Precisely. That, there was not really even the infrastructure for that to happen. But okay. while Nashville, the TV show moved in, that infrastructure was built. And now those people, now Nashville's gone, that TV show's gone, but now there's multiple shows and all the people that worked on that there's first show still have jobs. always down, like the people that moved from that have the know-how, have the knowledge. And, and you've seen, what's the, how big is Nashville? What's the population? 
It's actually still smaller a little bit than Calgary is. People is it? don't realize okay. it's about right at 1 million, slightly on the lower side of that. Um, He's now got you- such great brand recognition now. Like, I, so many people are like, oh, have you been to Nashville? It's the best. Like, you hear, I don't hear a lot of negative. Most people in Calgary that go down there, I hear nothing but positive experience. It's a great, it's a great food scene. Music scene is amazing. Like, it, it, it has a bigger brand than its size. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, but one of the things that made it that was the fact that um, when I first moved there, there were like, probably more outback steakhouses than there were locally owned restaurants. That's not the case anymore. Like, okay. Um, oh, that's interesting. When you look at all the different pieces that ladder up to making this new brand. Precisely. And that's, you know, that's one of the things that I, I, I got to live through. Obviously I didn't do it individually, but, but you were but, part, you were part of it and you saw it happen. Yeah. Paying witness to it, being a small part of it is one of the things that I wanted to bring up here. Um, because I do think again, when you have a city in transformation, and I've been in a couple of meetings with multiple arts organizations. So I've excited to see that, that there were already people thinking that way. Excellent. So when you got here, here, you found a little bit of that undercurrent was already starting to move. Like, Hey, I've seen this before. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's really and positive it, to you. Right? It is very positive. And I do think, um, that multiple organizations are, 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 if they're not on the same page already, they're getting to the same page. And I think once everybody gets there, uh, that's when you can really start to see things moving forward. I've already heard some great, news about the potential of a, of a good size uh, film and television fund being developed yes. privately here. Yeah. Through, right. Yeah. And I know Calgary economic development, that's one yeah. of the things that's on their radar in terms of like the, the entertainment side of things in media and what does that mean? Right. And one thing that I found interesting over the years, I might, we go back to my film studies degree. I can't say that my parents were thrilled when they found that I was going to switch to film studies. <laughs> what are you going to, what are you going to do with this degree of yours? Precisely. But <laughs> Isn't that the universal question that yeah. gets asked when you go into the arts. Oh, everybody, everybody, no matter what, whether if they want to go into the arts, I think it makes all parents across the board everywhere nervous. What's interesting to me over the uh, years that I've been doing this is um, so many jobs have become automated. Um, and even now, like, paralegals are at risk of their jobs being automated because yes. there's certain things that can just What be- was the knowledge worker that was kind of a safe position is now being, well, AI can do that. Machine learning can do that. Precisely. Absolutely. Better, more efficient, and more accurate. Right. And if you've read uh, AI scripts or listened to AI produced songs- mm-hmm. We're a long way from them being able to <laughs> yes. actually entertain us as human beings. And one thing we're always going to need is entertainment. That's who we are. Um, I suppose there's a few monks, maybe some nuns out there that don't require it, but... It is um, a huge part of what makes us human. R- precisely. Yes, and, I agree with you 100% on that. And so in a very strange way over the years that I've been doing this, I think jobs in the entertainment industry have actually started to grow more stable versus some other professions that we used to think of as like, well, if you go into that, you always will have a job. We all, doctor, lawyer, engineer, accountant, like those are kind of your suite of jobs. And these were looked at as like, oh my God, how are you going to, you know, because it always, I would say from the outside, there was seemed like so few places at the top of the entertainment space. Like there was a few people that make all the success and then a whole bunch of people that do a whole ton of work. To hear it's leveling out a bit and up, that's an interesting perspective. Yeah, and I don't know that the, See, the people on the lower level are not necessarily making a ton more, but yep. the nice part is, is they can usually go from one job to the next fairly consistently. <clears throat> it is a bit of a gig economy, is that correct, yeah. in that space? And it always will be, but that's where the importance uh, okay, of, okay. when you when you hear about like the Writers Guild or the Directors Guild or the, you know, the Actors Unions, that's the important part because that's where they can pool in so that they have insurance. So that even though they're on like a gig, unlike an, say an Uber driver or, right. or, or a, a skip the dishes delivery person, uh, that's what these guilds are there for is because we know that the work's 
going to have some inconsistency. It is, it is cyclical by its nature. So there's ways of making sure at least the basics, the, the insurance, and, and that, those types of protections can be Because that's there. often the gap, right? You, when you're in that space, you don't have that fallback. You don't have that infrastructure behind you for help, for benefits, for all the things that we take for granted, quote unquote, with our corporate jobs. Mm-hmm. Correct, correct. Yeah, and so that's one oh, of those okay, things that, that makes those nice. So that's, yeah, I do think like a lot especially in, back in the States where I come from, there's always this like unions uh, or unions, yay. Yes. And it's interesting. It is a polarizing topic for sure for a lot of people. Yeah. But the entertainment unions are almost like a completely different creature because of they're really a base of support for people that work in a gig economy. And I don't think people always think of it that way. No, I, I thank you. That's a fresh, I'm going to walk out with that perspective. I'm like, you're right. It's required because of the nature of the work that's high value, but it ends. And then another work starts. What fills all those gaps? Yeah, precisely. And, um, one of the other things that I think is interesting about how that work's becoming more stable is, is, and I think we're learning it here in the province, um, and I know that we know it in the city, and that's one of the things that I do want to make sure that people are aware of, is one of the things that got me into film when I was a young person is uh, the film Hoosiers was actually shot in my hometown of okay. Danville, Indiana. And my mother owned a catering business at the time. So my mother was hired to cater that film. And so I got to be on set, I got to see... Gene Hackman from a distance, but still yep. I got to see Gene Hackman as a little kid. And that's when I realized that like, when we talk about the film industry and the jobs it creates, it isn't Tom Cruise getting $20 million to make an action movie. It's my mom getting the biggest catering contract of her entire career. And you know, that's, that's stuck with me my entire life because people that's a, don't- That's a fresh perspective on the value that it can create. Beyond the, the 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 lightning bolts that you see, those like, oh, it's all about that. Well, no, it's actually this huge trickle down impact. Yeah, uh, people don't think about the hairdressers and the makeup artists and the the gaffers and you know like everything that goes in behind the scenes. Yeah, and there's a lot of those people that live here in the city that want to see a stable entertainment industry uh, that uh, you know have those jobs. They want to do those jobs. You know, and I mean, we think about like uh, say an electrician who might have been laid off because they were working in the energy field somewhere. Yes. Those skills could be transferred to a film set or a TV set. Um, and that's one of those things where I think a vibrant entertainment industry uh, is, a, is a path to a stable economy. Um, it can be a great alternative. As we all know, energy, especially now, is so up and down. Yes, it is. Um, that we can't, you know, the energy industry is important. I'm not saying it's not. But what fills in the peaks and valleys? Exactly. I hear what you're saying. And so yeah. the more we support other industries and the more that we diversify what we're relying on as an economy, uh, the stronger we are as a city and the stronger we are as a province. There's a lot of power in also admitting, hey, this is here. It's not going away, but it's going to be cyclical. <laughs> we're in one of those cycles. If we don't have something to fill that trough, then that low is is low. And yeah. the impact is incredibly negative on the city, which is we're in that right now. Right. We're struggling to catch up with some diversification, but I'm going to be blunt. We're a little bit behind. We're going, okay, we're in the trough. It's a long way up to the top of that next wave. <laughs> yeah. Well, and there's one thing I always say this to you. Um, I get frustrated when I watch American politics uh, because there's these arguments about, you know, while one side's talking about bringing back coal jobs, okay, yes. yeah. um, and uh, one side is talking another. I, I think, you know, when I hear about, like, let's bring back coal jobs, I'm like, what about typewriter repairmen or whale oilers? <laughs> you know, I mean, like, you have to start looking forward and recognizing, too, that the economy itself is going to change. Yes. And while we're having those conversations, I, I, I want to look at both sides and shake them. I'm like, you're not talking about the 30 plus million people who drive for a living and we're not that far away from them losing jobs. 
you know, and it's, there's something comforting in bringing back the past, the illusion of like, remember the good old days. Right. Well, let's break it down. Was it really the good old days? And should we evolve? I think there, yeah, I've read some like the, the political strategy of playing into that, how comforting it is to go, Oh my God. Yeah. That'll be better if it just went back to the way it was. Cause the future is always, it's unknown and it's scary. Yeah, no, it is scary. And you know, it's interesting though, because there's parallels in the film and entertainment industry. Okay. Because, interesting. Um, you know, we're still talking about like, it was kind of a, a down weekend this last weekend in movie theaters. And a lot of people think it was coronavirus scare and that, that may be true, but that landscape's changing too. And it's really important as a part of the industry that we can't be, you know, like, you know what? I love going to the old preserved movie palaces that have 1500 seats and watching a movie with a giant crowd like that. But that's a very rarefied experience now. Yes. You save that for very unique films for like, it's, it's more of an outing, not a commonplace because there's so many other means to access entertainment. Exactly. And so like we as an industry also have to be prepared for that. And, um, you know, I'd like, we Those were, established infrastructures don't like Cineplex Odeon doesn't want to change their model because they've got a lot invested in that model. It just should, looking at it from a business, we've seen a lot of businesses that sh- quote unquote should have seen it coming, yeah. but they stay very invested in, well, this is the way we've always done it. Right. It's oversimplified. But. And that's fair. And I don't think the theatrical experience is going to go away. I think right. we, I think we back to our need to want to have experiences. Exactly. And, and, and shared experiences. That's, ah, that's cool. a nice thing, Dad, because you're right. Sitting there with my phone is very isolating. It's it's a one it's a one to one relationship versus many to one. Yeah, well, and, and and I think people realize that that watching movies with other people is more entertaining. The laughs are better. The the drama is yes. more intense. Um, you know, I look actually at a movie that we had at this past festival in September is the the Netflix comedy Dolomite is My Name with Eddie Murphy. Okay, uh, I haven't watched it. I know it. I know what it is. It's on it's on the long list of things I need to watch. Yeah, well, but. Uh, the experience that, that the people who watched it in our theater together, the, it was a sold-out show, so about 350 people in that, that house, I, laughing to the point where like jokes were getting missed because they were still laughing from the previous one. And then other friends watched it when it came on Netflix, like at home by themselves, and they're like, that was kind of funny. Oh, interesting. And you know, I'm like, ah, but if you didn't see it in a room full of people. So I mean, like when people think of the theatrical experience, they kind of like automatically now think the Avengers and like, you know, this giant explosion based uh entertainment don't get me wrong i actually am a sucker for the marvel universe but um but they don't think about like laughing together in a room with people and and that really that shared experience is is uh all all that dopamine and serotonin in one room at the same time exactly yeah and then and you walk out talking and you can't stop talking about the experience and that's part of what we create with the film festival it's part of what uh i think movie theaters are trying to keep creating uh, and, but I think they've become so stuck on, I need a three month window. Right. You know, whereas, you know, when I went to go see, I actually went to the plaza to see the Irishman, uh, and it was a good house and it was a week before it was going to be on Netflix. And I, I still think, I didn't know, I didn't hear, window, I didn't know it was released like that. I, Cause I saw it on Netflix the first time. Yeah. But even with a short theatrical window, people, there's still enough people out there that want to take advantage of seeing it on a large screen in a dark house with other people. Um, Cause what we're getting is just, it's just diversifying the playing field precisely. Yeah. But it's also, it goes back to what we were talking about, the economic message. It, it also means being prepared for the future and stop being afraid of it. Um, yes. Entrench, know. entrench versus embrace. And you know, things are going to change and go forward and, and know that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's why, um, the battle between theaters and streaming services, uh, is interesting in many ways because as a film festival, we sort of sit right in the middle. Um, 
I'm not going to not play content because it comes from a streaming service or has been purchased at another Right, because you're there to showcase service. good content at Precisely. the end of the day. It's not about necessarily the source. Right, exactly. And that would limit you so much. Yeah, exactly. And that's where Back I to like, limiting your perspectives and limiting your options. Right, and that's, what, that's, that's where we try to be future-oriented. Speaking of, like, we're also trying to work with some local organizations now to bring in um, the, the virtual reality content and trying to expand our episodic content at the festival too, just to know that like the, the concept of film, the concept, content now is much more than And movies. how we engage in it and all the different options. Yeah, yeah, there's so many ways to engage with it now, and we want, we want to celebrate as many of them as we can. Well, we went from silent movies to movies with sound, to then we went to um, IMAX, and we went to THX, and like there's every, the chair moves, and then the screen moves, right, right. and like they're, you know, VR, and that's, that's the, it's the next wave. Yeah. Or it's one of them. I would say it is the, it is one. Oh, right, right. No, I don't think it took off in this, in the ways that people thought originally no. it was going to, that everyone was going to have a deck in their house, which I don't. It I, is amazing. If you've done, if I, the first time I did VR, it blew my mind. Yeah. In Nashville, we actually had. Within uh, seconds, you're immersed. Oh yeah. Like, no, it's it is, remarkable. It is immediate. That's another, that's another podcast yeah. for another day. Uh, but yeah, no, it's something that everybody should try. And I do think people are interested to try it. I just don't think people are interested in owning it. So that's where we have to like, that's where I think, again, the festival comes in as a way of like Giving people a chance that. to experience it. Absolutely. <clears throat> so 2008, and you mentioned Nashville went through a flood as well. Yeah, in 2010 so we had uh, lots of lots of, Lots of parallels. Yeah. So as you saw things evolve with Nashville as a little bit of an example of a city that's ahead of us in this cycle in terms of rebranding and re, re-engineering themselves, what were, what were some of the lessons you would take away? Are there things like, I'm assuming it wasn't a perfect plan, there was hiccups, there was setbacks, or was it once you guys started moving in this direction, it just gradually came in? Like I'm just thinking about the different industries, how they balanced off each other. I'm thinking about how you guys told the story because Nashville is a pretty good brand story out there. Oh yeah, no. It was it was about um, industries working together and learning how to uh, play off one another's strengths rather than uh, compete. I guess you could say sort of like it's a, a frenemy competition. I mean, like okay, you, okay. there's competition, but you don't try to get up the ladder solely by stomping somebody else yep. down. Like you you realize that like, hey, uh, I need to do a little bit. I don't know. I'm trying to think of the best way to word it, but, but anyway, like there was always sort of a handout, not a handout, but a hand up. Okay. Um, and, yep. and organizations would look at smaller organizations and say like, Hey, maybe this is what we can do to help. Um, there was a degree of successful together. Yeah, exactly. Cause yeah. I would say that's part of when I moved to Calgary, I grew up in Montreal. I moved to Calgary back in 2000. I immediately sensed this like, Hey, yeah, if we can, there, there, there was a sense of more abundance here than scarcity. And even growing up back East, big, older, established environments, there was a little bit more of like, well, I got to get mine because if you get it, that means that you took it from me. Yeah. Where I didn't get that when I moved here. And I think we still got that as that underpinning. And that's interesting to hear that parallel is what I'm hearing. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that I liked about Calgary as well when I came here is because that's the type of spirit that helps lift an economy out of a rut. I completely agree. Um, and what's required. <laughs> yeah. Well, absolutely. I mean, yeah. Kicking somebody while they're down, eventually they're going to grab your ankle and they're going to drag you down. <laughs> or heaven forbid they get up and you're not. And that's, right. all, that's just a terrible environment. Yeah. So it's I not mean, Lord of the flies. We can just try to. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. And like I said, I recognize that spirit here and that's the type of spirit that from an individual standpoint, but also from an organizational standpoint, right. from a, uh, a government standpoint and government working with private partnerships, uh, standpoint, that's how you lift yourself out and that's how you find that diversity that's necessary uh, to move forward. Again, I'm seeing the parallels um, in you know, 
Calgary known as an energy city, Nashville known as just a music city. Yes. And now like it's about changing that brand. And I do think there are organizations all throughout the city that are working to change that brand. Uh, film and television being one of being the things that's being part of it. And who better to tell stories than people that tell stories for a living? Precisely. So in Nashville, did you guys have a champion? Was the government in the lead? Was there a private group? Always, I feel right now, and I talk to a lot of different people, there's a lot of cool stuff going on, but it still feels like there's a lot of islands. That's my view. It's like we don't have that hub and spoke bringing it all together. In Nashville, did you guys have that? And did you have a group that kind of stepped up and would you say became, a, I don't want to quote unquote the, the, the leader <laughs> or maybe the impromptu leader? Uh, well, we did have... Uh, fantastic leadership uh in um the local government okay um there's always a leader somewhere when you've got something that like some group that's at the figurehead of this thing but the smart thing wasn't just government trying to do it all like okay they there were so many uh partnerships developed with private organizations and what they would basically call like the um Economic Development Corporation. It was a sort of a it was a government funded organization, but it operated separately so that they could make decisions. Which is, um, yeah, you know, in a less bureaucratic way. Okay, and that so they had some freedom to move precisely, and that I think is really important. And I do see some uh, some islands here, like you said, but that's been my experience. I'm not saying, I also think it's early days. So we're still finding our, like that to me, that's usually the first phase you start, well, we're going to innovate and we're going to innovate and we're going to do something different, but yet we're maybe not talking or there isn't something coming together to almost rise out of the, I don't want to say rise out of the ashes. That's a bit dramatic, but to kind of rise up and go, Oh, there's a bit of a lightning rod or something we can all gravitate towards. Yeah. I think, um, I mean, they can look like islands, but if we're smart, what we do is we turn them into boats and yeah. then we all like <laughs> throw the ropes out and we start yes. pulling them until we all end up coming some together. Some speedboats, some bigger boats. It's a variety. Right, precisely. But eventually if you band them all together. Well, then you have a party. That's what happens float, there. Right? We yeah. all, that goes. <laughs> it's a big floating party. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, like I said, I can, I, I see it. I see the seeds of it being planted and I see um, a lot of potential growth here. Like I said, there's a few things that I've heard about recently that I'm not really at liberty to talk about yeah oh, okay i was like well, still, oh you almost yeah you, um, you i felt myself get excited when you said that i'm like <laughs> no but I, like brian I know you're brian you're holding out on me we're some i, I have to okay i appreciate that we'll we'll in, circle back we'll, yeah. we'll do it to be we're in early days of some talks that i think i said i, I see some exciting things coming so that's positive and they're positive things very positive so great i i can trade on that all i can you know one positive piece of news i'm good for the day right <laughs> that's so interesting so Where's Nashville at now in their journey? Where, where would you say, if you're going to make a comparison in terms of like, you know, Calgary, you know, I've, I've heard this and we don't have to live on it, but we're only about a two and a half, three years in because the first couple of years, we kind of held our breath a little bit that it would come back. So we're about two and a half, three years into this transformation. Sounds like Nashville's a bit farther down the road th- than we are. It, w- parallels, timelines, anything you see there just for just, I really appreciate that you have this other perspective. Yeah. That's, that's very, very recent. I would say that um, we'd be about Five years behind, but I'm going to give a okay. caveat to that. Okay, please. There's one benefit, and it actually goes back to the fact that there were the previous boom days, that there is better infrastructure in place for growth here than there was in Nashville. That's oh, the one okay. thing, like I said, that yeah. kind of... I appreciate that perspective, because when you're here and you live it, you don't you don't have a reference point. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> well, because most people, like I said, when, when you go to visit, it's a great city to visit in Nashville, because you usually end up getting a hotel room downtown or close to it. And when you're in downtown, most of the stuff's downtown, you... Or if you want to go somewhere slightly out, you just grab an Uber and away you go. Yep. When you live there, very few people actually live in downtown Nashville. Most of them live sort of in the close suburbs or further okay. out. And therefore, commutes have just become... Back to your terrible. seven minutes becoming 35, 40 exactly. minutes. Yeah. And so, yeah, guests don't necessarily... The quality uh, of life and my that. commute are directly correlated. <laughs> yeah, for <laughs> sure. And um, here, 
uh, I know people do complain about the C train, but the fact that it exists is already a step ahead of a lot of U.S. cities, oh, okay. including Nashville. Yep. Um, and so I think there's an infrastructure base. Oh, so they really like, that's the one thing about being a bit of a smaller city population wise, you can, sometimes you don't have that critical infrastructure. Yeah. Because the cost base is, the tax base is there. There's so many reasons why. Mm. Yeah, there was almost zero public transport transit there was a bus system Ooh. that and if you're looking at check boxes of what makes a city quality livable that's a big factor yeah and to give you an idea um i had an intern uh who was part of this international internship program she came over from france uh obviously didn't come over with a car um most days she actually was staying with another person that worked for the festival i would could go and pick her up uh and take her into the office but of course like on vacation days there's not somebody that lives nearby necessarily so she would have to take the bus and again, she lived four blocks away from me, what used to be a seven minute drive. Uh, the bus would take her an hour and 15 minutes to get to work. Oh, that's not, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that, that's, that, that's how that weak, puts it, that puts it into yeah, that's how weak the public transit system was. So has that improved? Have they really, have they raised the bar? Cause I know that takes years to do. Um, my, my last year before we moved up, the public voted down a train system, um, it's interesting, but okay, I'm, sure Even, many, well, I'm sure there's many layers to that. Mm. We can go into the politics of that because there was one ad that was so deceptive, but good people I knew fell for it. That basically it was just like good people fall for bad messages yeah. all the time. <laughs> and, and technically they weren't lying, but of course, like it's as soon as you say technically, that's a, it's an asterisk. Well, it, it, it was sure. one of those like, you know, a train system will cost every family $54,000. Oh, they went right at it. And then like right down in the corner, it was like over the course of 50 years, you know, and like, um, you know, and I'm like, okay, that's what Netflix costs you, <laughs> you know? And I'm yes. like, so why are you panicking? The over? price of a cup of coffee a day. One of those. Right. Yeah. yeah. Depends on how you want to spend that cost. Yeah. And, and so the panic, people panicked and they got voted down. And so they've done a couple of things with the bus system to improve it, but it's still not anywhere near. Well, we had a similar, not to get into, we had a similar with the Olympics. All of a sudden it became this tax conversation and what it was going to cost each family individually. And I think people got really sidetracked on that and missed potential. I'm not saying right or wrong. I don't want to get into that, but that message started to get out and people were like, Oh my God, it's going to cost me so much personally. I'm like, Whoa, okay, we're missing like somewhere that became the message. And I think there'd be people to say that that had a negative impact on how the city went with that decision. Yeah. I had actually just moved here when that was happening. Okay. So, so you got to was, see a little bit. You had a window seat to that a little bit. Yeah. I, yeah. It was definitely a window seat to that point because I can't vote, but yeah. uh, it was fascinating to uh, pay witness to right after having been through a similar conversation. So, okay. So similar uh, parallel. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I, I would say, like I said, I think we're in Calgary. We're a few years behind, but we have some benefits that Nashville doesn't have. Okay. I appreciate so that perspective. I do think that um, I'm going to say when the growth comes, because I'm confident enough to say that, uh, that I do think the city's going to be more prepared for it than Nashville was prepared for its growth. Okay. Well, technically, yeah, we've been busier than we are now. We yeah. handled it then, and yeah, it was busy, and yes, there was traffic, but it wasn't really that bad <laughs> compared to spending any time in Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal, LA, I don't know, LA, pick yeah. a big U.S. city where it's like, oh, you want to you want to ruin your day with a commute? That you know, yeah. just the even even Toronto, we have, a, we have an office out there, and people I know they commute an hour and a half each way every oh, day yeah. just to be able to afford a house, and it, we have a quality of life here that we do take for granted because it's hard. It's humans. You take for granted what's what's right around you. Right. You know, it's my friends in LA. I actually say, you know, like Los Angeles is a one hour drive away from Los Angeles. <laughs> I've not heard that. That's yeah. I lived out in Northridge when I was out there and I worked in, in Venice and Santa Monica. It was hor it's like, it basically started at six in the morning, ended at two in the afternoon, started again at two forty five, and then went till 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> it was like this weird window. I feel like I'm leading with this question, but what, your perspective on the impact that we're trying to draw talent to the city, we're trying to keep people here. 
the role the arts plays. <laughs> oh, absolutely. They're not not just they're important not just in bringing artists in. Artists are important to a city. Yeah, we talked about the economic side of it. Now let's talk about the cultural side of it. Yeah, um, but they're also important for energy companies or finance companies to draw the best talent. Um, I always use an example of my former boss in Nashville. Her son got a job uh, in this for this company. It was very exciting. It was a great job just out of college, but it was in a small town in Virginia of about 35,000 people. And he's 24, master's degree, ready to go. And he gets there and there's nothing for a 24-year-old to do. Uh, and so even though this was a dream job, it right. became a bit of a nightmare and he gave it up and moved back in with his parents until he could find something else again. Interesting when you hear it becomes a make or break because there's so many jobs. You know, my first career as a pilot, and that was part of it. You got to go live up in the north where there's absolutely nothing going on to pay your dues, and you just got to do it. But we have a highly mobile society right now. You don't have to do it. You go find a job somewhere else. Right, right. And and and, and orders I think, mean nothing, and travel means nothing. I'll just move to another city. Precisely. And I think people take for granted that. Well, that company obviously did take for granted. Like, oh, we get no taxes. It's going to be really cheap here, but no one wanted to live there. But at 24 years old, you've got different priorities. Right. Precisely. Maybe at 34, you have a family. It's a different, but but at 24, you want to live some life. Yeah. Well, exactly. And and again, they didn't put two and two together by going to a place that didn't have entertainment or arts or anything. Um, And, you know, and then thought they could draw young talent when in the end, in the end, like I said, you're looking for more people now in their like late thirties and forties that are yes. wanting to settle down to something more quiet, but because they've, they've had those years, yeah. <laughs> okay. but even, but, even then that's not limiting that you don't find that valuable when you're older. Oh, right. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Not and I think, that. Um, well, what I found interesting and it was happening in Nashville, I see it even more here is retirement's changed a great deal too. Um, like the apartment building that I live in that we, we moved in here, not, we're not ready to buy yet until we get a little more settled. Uh, permanent residence status solved. Mm-hmm. But um, working on that right now. But um, I, you know, there's several retirees that live in our building. And I think older people are actually, instead of like staying out in the burbs, are moving it's completely changing into the, the downtown dynamic. core. Yes, and, and, and so again, they're seeking that type of entertainment. And I think... Um, yeah, they want walkability. They want things they can experience. They've got free. They have free time. They have money, and they've downsized. Exactly. And they're and they're maybe living that life that they didn't when they were working and raising a family and doing all those things. Absolutely. Right. And and that's where the arts and entertainment are a vital. It's not just about of, young anymore. Yeah, no, like, exactly. That's a, an illusion to paint it that way. Precisely. And, but that's where the arts and entertainment come in to make the downtown core of a city, or or, or it doesn't matter even the size of the city, but really to make that city a livable space. I actually hearken back to my college days and. Bloomington, uh, it's a city of about 120,000. Mm-hmm. It's a small city. Yeah, it's a small city. But it had you know, the art house movie theaters. It had museums. It had all those things. It had a rich history and a, and, and, and a big, and arts played a big part in the exactly. community. Exactly. And it's so, just it, so much, just, it's the, kind of the values of a community, right? Right. And it, that's how they could bring in some of the finest professors in the world because those professors wanted those things and they found those things there, even if it was a small city in Southern You had a two minute commute, but you have all the upside of a larger, more metropolitan environment. Right. Exactly. It's just so, and, and hearing, you know, seeing someone coming in from the outside and kind of did your assessment on Calgary, I'm sure, was it a big move? Was it a big decision? It was a very big move. It feels like it would be um, huge. I packed up the, a few boxes, a uh, couple suitcases and two boxes and flew them up and moved here. And my partner is the one that had to bring the rest of the house yep. and the dog up. And that was a four day drive in a U-Haul from Nashville. Not to mention that he, you know, he had to give up his job and find one up here, which it took a little bit, but thankfully... Uh, he did. So 
uh, yeah, it was not a small decision. I mean, I don't think any international move, even if no, it is just like, across, yeah, across the, the country, is is is. Some, I moved here from Montreal without right. having been here before. I literally packed up my car, drove here in February. In hindsight, I'm not quite sure what I was thinking, but it worked, <laughs> it worked out. But to move cross border, that's a that's a huge. And you'd been, you say, ten years at the film festival yeah. in Nashville, so it was time for a change. But at the same time, you're still like kind of leaving everything you know and comfortable with. Behind. Oh, precisely. You know, and yeah, so it is. Like I said it's a, it's a big move. It was a big decision, but I also felt like it was one that was worth it based on what I saw in the organization and in the city. For the opportunity. Yeah. So now that you've been here since October, and you know this is always a tricky question, anything you see where we're getting in our own way? Like, and I'm meaning not doing it wrong, because that sounds a bit negative, but anything that we could push aside that would be like, hey, you know what? We seem to be still kind of stuck in this. What's your? Pr-? I love the outsider's perspective. It's so valuable. Because you're, you're sipping the Kool-Aid. You haven't fully drank it yet. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, no, absolutely. I, I do think... Um, and this isn't a critical of anybody in the, in the city, like we mentioned earlier though, but I, I still think there's a looking back to the boom days and saying, let's get back to that yes. as opposed to looking forward and saying there's a different type of boom ahead. Um, and, and there's going to be different things at the table. And I, yeah, I don't believe in this, this or that, or either, or I believe, I believe energy was, is going to play a part. I think it's just, we need other players. Absolutely. And, and like I said, I, I don't think relying solely on energy is going to get us back to that point. Uh, it doesn't again. It doesn't mean energy is not a part of it. It doesn't mean energy is not vital. Uh, but, but it feels safer and easier to just romanticize what it was, like right. we talked about earlier. Yeah. But in so I, many ways, not just the energy sector isn't the only sector that does that. Romanticizes the past. Oh, absolutely no, and, and it's just because that's what's the major industry here. That's what uh, is is the one. But it happens again all across the board. That there's when anyone's reliant on one single. Predominant. I'm assuming the music industry is still significant in Nashville. Oh, absolutely, it's still yeah, it still plays a and major the, part. And, the, and the, the music industry is something that's gone through a lot of evolutions and changed and forced. For oh, yeah. Just the role that Apple has played alone in the changing of the music industry, right, or even before Apple, Napster. Remember yeah, the yeah, Napster yes, days? I, I mean, do so. remember Napster. Yes, <laughs> uh, but yeah. So I mean, part again, of our audience is like, "What is a Napster? Uh, yeah, Look probably. it up. It's a good story." <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, the, you know, the music industry in Nashville had to learn and evolve, and now it still plays a major part. But it is a part of tech, healthcare, arts, uh, and film and entertainment. So, I mean, like it's... To me, I love that story because one, I'm someone who has diverse interests, so I want to be involved in all of it yeah. and no, be I'm able to, to dabble into it. I don't like the one. I get very bored very easily. <laughs> That's just this one thing. I'm like, no, I'm not going to be the way it is. So for yourself, any uh, what, what are you excited about? What's coming down the road for you? You guys have the film festival in the fall? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, uh, starts in September. Um, already working on um, some... Big titles, big name guests. Uh, nothing Exciting. confirmed yet. So I was like, can you? Well, I was like, any little spoilers you can see right. out? You can give us any hints. Way early for that. If people do their <laughs> research and look to see, uh, not the Ghostbusters movie that comes out well before us, but like, they might look to see. There's some other films that have been made in the area that could be a part of the festival. Okay, I, I like I, how you're saying. I can drop. I can drop an Easter egg there. Um, <laughs> making no promises though. So. I, yeah, non, uh, non-committed, but but don't be. Yeah don't, yeah, don't be surprised. We have something exciting for you. But um, yeah, but I think there's uh, a lot of exciting things happening. Um, with the festival in general, we're looking at uh, expanding what we call Festival Scape, which is the more uh, interactive parts of the festival. Okay, so interesting. The, the things that are not just coming to see a movie. I mean, most of ours are not just seeing a movie. Anyway, we have a lot of guests that come in, directors, actors that have been part of the films to talk to the audience afterward about it. But also, again, like we talked about virtual reality uh, and other interactive uh, Interesting. Activities. So you're increasing the experiential aspect of it. Exactly. Like what we started last year and it'll be happening again this year, I think to an even greater extent, uh, I was working with um, Keep Alberta Rolling, which is the film industry's okay. lobbying arm. But um, Oh, I never heard. So Keep Alberta Rolling is what it's called? Yeah. I don't and know about that. They brought in an interactive film set 
that includes green screen, dollies, cameras, rigging. And oh, to give everybody a peek behind anybody, the scenes. Yeah, exactly. Like you can actually like run the camera, run the dolly. So like it was great to see a lot of young people uh, coming through and like. Well, what a way to get excited about what's possible. Yeah. Oh, Back exactly. to you on the set of Hoosiers. Have you seen, have you watched Goliath? With uh, Billy Bob Thornton. It's a Netflix I, special. I know that one, but I've not seen it. He watches Hoosiers before he goes to court every day. So it's <laughs> funny. That movie was so not on my radar. And I recently watched it with my wife. And he's always, before he goes to court, he can't sleep. He's up all night. And that's what he watches. That's so a, that's it's so funny life. that you yeah. referenced that as a film. But you being on set, seeing that, if that experience obviously was pinnacle for you. Oh, yeah. Obviously. No, I mean, it, it, it certainly um, it was a life-changing experience for me. I... I Interestingly enough, was not that interested in being an extra like a lot of my friends were. I think it was because I, I was back then had a very proud mane of hair and didn't want to shave it because they <laughs> had to shave their hair to like the fifties hairstyle. Um, so I didn't want to. Awesome, do that. the reasons we make decisions. <laughs> oh, I know. So I didn't get to see myself on camera, but a lot of my friends like it's funny. Like I'll watch it today, and I can still pick out like you know, oh that's Dave. You know, like, that's super funny. Um, when the movie so, gets made in a, in a small town and everyone gets to be involved. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and so, um, <laughs> yeah, right. again, it, it was life changing. And of course, like since then through my work in the film festival, I've been able to meet the, the screenwriter and the director of, of the film, you know, like, and I'm it, sure it's a really small community once you get involved in it. Yeah, absolutely. And you get to know people and like, and then you get to do things like, uh, when I was in Nashville, we had a independently made, uh, Tennessee film, called The Romance of Loneliness, directed by a guy named Matteo Cervante. And then uh, that same year, we had a film uh, come in with uh, actress Beth Grant. Uh, she's a character actress, probably okay. most recently known. Uh, she was um, on The Mindy Project. Okay. Uh, she was the... I can't place her in my mind, but... Um, she was the receptionist that punched Mindy in the face in the very first episode. Okay, so this, a, like, a memorable role. Yeah, <laughs> always had this rivalry. Anyway, um, friends with both of them... After moving up here, uh, same day on Facebook, they both posted that she's going to star in his next film that he's written and directed. So, I mean, like, everybody's, that's the way the everybody's world, connected. Yeah. yeah that's and for you being happens. involved in Nashville and everyone knowing you from there, I'm sure, I believe that there's a big tag along effect of you going, Hey, you're in Calgary now. What's in Calgary? What's going on? Like, I'm assuming that you're bringing those relationships with you and yeah. exposing a whole group of people maybe that weren't involved with Calgary before. Yeah. Well, it was kind of cool. We had a great film uh, at this festival. Um, most recently, and it was uh, produced by a friend, Darren, that I made through all the movies that he had yep. brought up. And then it turns out one of his lead actors was actually born and raised in Calgary, even though the film was made out, you know, back in the States. But so it was kind of like right. those small ties are already starting to happen. Those like little small world moments. We've well, been here since October. I didn't realize how, how when we chatted, you'd literally been here for like a month. The last months. previous October. So oh, it's oh, so it's here. Okay. All of a sudden I'm like October. Okay. Um, right. It's been a year and a bit. Is there, not to spin back into it, but is there like you see film crews set up around town occasionally? When I'm in Toronto, you see it all the time. Yeah. There's always this block is shut down. That block is shut down. There's lines of white panel vans nameless faceless panel vans everywhere is calgary a place for that is that are we or guess what is it or what can we do to attract more of that what do we need to do uh it has been can be and i think will be um again i think there's some private work happening that's going to step things up but um but um there's at least from i haven't read the new budget but at least i heard some rumblings that the next few budgets are going to increase the tax incentives. Okay, good. Uh, in I didn't province. hear that either. Cause I know that's a huge driver for the film industry. Absolutely. Um, I mean, when you look at, at what's happening in British Columbia, or if you doubt looking down in the States at what's happening in Georgia, it's there because of those tax incentives. And again, that's the carrot that lures it in. Exactly. Yeah. And, and 
the, the, the current government made some changes to the tax incentives that I actually applaud, but then they capped them to a point where they became almost impossible to work with. But again, what I've heard is that they're going to be adjusting those caps to make them actually okay. work. So uh, that should be bringing the industry in. And again, that's what I want to remind people is like when those tax incentives, they're not going into Tom Cruise's pocket. They're going into the caterers. And the, that's, that's how I think that's a really paid. good perspective to understand and the value that that creates. Yeah. That it actually does put money back into the community. Yes, absolutely. And, and the... Um, you know, it can vary province to province, but I know uh, when Louisiana was at its peak, uh, before they kind of messed up their incentives, for every dollar that they were investing, they were getting seventeen dollars back. Uh, I'm in. I will. I will. You'll get me on that investment all day long. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and, and one of the other things too, when we talk about the arts and we talk about economy, um, again, it's only a statistic I can use from the states. I can't make a promise okay. that it, it works exactly here. But like, for one event, uh, every dollar um, spent, like. Uh, every dollar invested by a local government into the arts or um, uh, sorry for every dollar spent, let's go back to that. Okay. Um, usually another $32 is spent in surrounding businesses. In other words, so that's um, significant. I've heard numbers like that before, but I didn't have a, I just didn't understand the context around it. Well, like when somebody comes to the film festival uh, at say Eau Claire market, they're not, they'll usually, usually they'll come to see a film and then they'll go to dinner before drinks after you're right it's not just a film it's an outing mm -hmm. yeah and so when people like again they don't think about the activity that goes on around it yes. there are going to be some people who buy a pass and they go see 40 movies and that's all they do there's always an outlier in every <laughs> crowd i understand that's fine but people do have to eat and so they're going to spend that money in surrounding areas and businesses yes and um and that's one thing too i don't think when people talk about investing in the arts or investing in industries is they don't think about the effects that surround kind of it. the knock on effect. Yeah. And, um, you know, and that money just kind of keeps getting spent and it goes into more pockets and it just keeps driving the economony and just keeps moving around, which is what a good dollar needs to do exactly. from here to here to here to here. Right. And the wheel turns. Yeah. The further that dollar spins, the more benefit it has. Whereas if it just gets stuffed in somebody's pockets, you know, yes, yes. Capitalism gets a bad rap, but true capitalism is constantly putting money back into the cycle. If you go Precisely. back to the base definition of it, Brian, I really appreciate the perspective. And like I said, we haven't had anyone on to talk about the, from the perspectives of the arts, as well as someone who's lived in a city that went through a very similar transformation. And it's so easy to feel we're on our own little island. I like the speedboat or the boat analogy, <laughs> but you know we're not the first ones who've gone through an economic transformation and there is some playbooks out there and there is some ways of thinking about it. And I'm a firm believer is we need everybody off the bench. Back, to your, back to your users analogy. Yeah, Get everybody on the court and let's all contribute and find a way to work together. And I know sometimes that's not easy, but I don't, I don't see any other way forward. Absolutely. I agree with you totally. Well, best of luck with the next phase of the, the film festival in the, and we'll give you a blatant plugs all day long for that. <laughs> and uh, I will see you there this year. Excellent. Thank you very much. Thanks, Brian.